hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 195. Welcome yourself all to Sustainable 195. You're going to have to bear with me because I have got the hiccups all of a sudden. There I was <laughs> when you're doing all your messing about before the show, fiddling with this, twiddling Preparation. with that. No hiccups. And then, as soon as you start talking, hiccups. So, sorry about that. It's because you're um, nervous, isn't it? <laughs> so I am nervous. I'm nervous because, oh, we are Sustainable, your weekly little environment podcast all about people and the planet. And that doesn't normally make me nervous. But today I'm nervous because we're talking about the future of the world. The future of the world. That's right. We are going to be talking about a thing that should have just happened, but is going to happen in best part of a year. And that is when... The world and its clever, negotiated type people are going to get all sweaty in a conference centre in Glasgow and put meat on the bones of the Paris Agreement. They are going to have a shindig called COP26 and they're going to decide whether we all live or die or indeed which of us live and which of us die. So we're going to look forward to that and talk all about it. The other thing we're going to talk about this week, however, Dave, for there are two things, is... Well, talking of meat on the bones, some meat that hasn't got any bones. Meat that is being grown without killing any animals. Lab-grown meat. What do you think about that? What would we think about that? Would Dave eat it? Is it vegan to eat lab-grown meat? And other questions we probably won't answer. So there you go, a fleshy, meaty theme for this meatiest of December evenings. Very good. Oh, just before any of that nonsense, the usual disclaimer, we do work for environmental charities, do we not, all? Yes, we do. Y- yes, not... Yes. But these are very much our own views. So if anything that we say makes you want to sink your teeth into us, uh, please do drop us an email to our complaining address and don't take it up with anyone for whom we work. Yes? Now, it's December, therefore it's cheerful. This is the entire season of cheer, goodwill to all men, to all women and to all Babel listeners. And there's even more reasons to be cheerful because, and this is genuinely, I think, very, very good news. Apparently, Dave... Apparently, what with all of the new swanky pledges that countries have come up with regarding how much they're going to cut emissions after that, their Paris Agreement said they had to do that. What with all those pledges added together, clever people at something called the Climate Action Tracker Group have said, do you know what? By 2100, we're on course to be at sort of just over two degrees of warming. Now, that's not good news for the hundreds of millions of people that will kill But it's a hell of a lot better news (laughs) than it was when last time they did this and it said we were on for about three degrees of warming. So before you write in and say two degrees isn't good, I know two degrees isn't good. But I'm just saying it is good that, you know, should these commitments be met, we are on track for a hella less warming than we were. Yeah, it is gooder than what it was before. Ducks for cover. (laughs) Now look, no one... It's to stone anyone until I blow this whistle. Do you understand? Even, and I want to make this absolutely clear, even if they do say Jehovah. 
if it looks good, it's shit. Yeah. If, it, if it is shit, it's really shit. If yeah. someone told you a thing that you thought was good was shit, they're right and you're wrong, right? So Joe Biden wins, uh, and we do shit. a little podcast about it. Nah, we, shit. Sh- that, that's shit, because apparently David Cameron <laughs> is more of a firebrand lefty liberal than Joe Biden. We get a vaccine, we get told we're getting a vaccine, and everyone's immediately going, yes, but you have to transport it via camel on the back of a refrigerated lorry, which will only get stuck in the queues in Kent anyway. Yeah, it's shit. And that's Vaccine's shit. shit. Um, yeah. Vaccine shit. You make plans to go to the pub with your friends and it pisses down, which is what's happening now. I'm doing it anyway, so I'm going to bloody well finish this record at 6.45, whether you like it or not. Um, and uh, we, we hear yeah, the and also, the fact, the fact that it's cold and wet is shit, even though if it wasn't cold and wet, we'd all be saying, oh God, it's so unseasonably warm. I wish it used to be cold. I wish it was cold and wet like it was in the olden days. Yes. And look, there we hear that the world is on course for 2.1 degrees. And instead of going, bloody hell, that's not bad, considering the fact that like very recently it was going to be worse than that, everyone goes, yes, but 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 does it matter what they promise if what they're actually doing isn't up to it which is fair enough because they're still drilling for shitloads of fossil fuels and yes but look stuff is really bad right now which is fair enough because the whole of America is still on fire sake could we not just have a moment of going stuff is changing really fast give it another year or two imagine how much faster it might change oh yes Right, that was your moment. In fact, that was your two moments. You've had your moment and two, not or two. What were my moments? What moments to do what? Just then. That was what? your moment or two. What moment? When I oh, paused, I when I oh, paused I after you said, can I have a moment or two? I paused. <laughs> and now we're moving Ooh, fire, on. Fire, 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 fire. Sorry. Set fire to something I shouldn't have set fire to then. Sorry. Ooh, dear. Why, why, are, you, <laughs> why are you burning things? <laughs> Back in a sec. Oh, dearie me. Why are you burning things? What did you burn? Candle, nice. Candle fire. Fire in house. Can have fire in house. Problem with Indoor air pollution. In Candles are Indoor shit. Air. Indoor well, air pollution prob- is, is a bigger problem than outdoor air pollution, particularly in the winter and in the pandemic. You're, that's shit. Candles are shit. If it looks like a nice thing that's going to make your room nice, it's not. It's shit. Well, it isn't. It is quite shit when you absentmindedly fiddle with a match and you snap it in half, and then without, whilst talking to all, without really thinking about it, you stick that match back into the flame, and then just look absentmindedly as it crawls up your finger and burns you. That's bad. Do you know the um, the thing I remember more than anything else with clarity about my school days? I remember very little about my school days. Oh, hang on a minute, Al. Yeah, carry on. Yes, and and, and of course. No, numerous Mater of and staff. Pater picking you up in Easter, <laughs> coming in the jalopy and picking you up. It's nice, isn't it? <laughs> no idea what you're saying, but I know the gist of what you're saying. Uh, yeah, of course, you know, the, the, the many and varied staff employed by my family just reminded me of my school days, so I didn't need to remember it. Um, that's not true. Uh, what was I saying? The thing I remember, the thing I remember from my school days is a science lesson when we were burning something, probably magnesium. It was always magnesium in a yes. Bunsen burner. Or cesium. Did you ever get that one? I don't remember that one. Cesium was like magnesium plus. It was like hench magnesium. Whoa. That's the one that when you put it in a flame. <laughs> like this is, They probably don't let uh, scatty little physics teachers do this. If you're a physics well, teacher, is, right in and let this us know. This is probably, but... a, probably a thing that was allowed in schools when you were at school, like in the well, you know, 1930s right. or whenever it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'll tell you what. For our Patreon sponsors, we'll do some exclusive content of Dave videoing himself putting cesium in a Bunsen burner. Where am I going to get cesium from? Or for that matter, a Bunsen burner. The dark web. Have you learned uh, nothing? Come on. Anyway, 
All I'm saying, my favourite memory from school was during a science lesson when we were burning magnesium in a Bunsen burner. One of the kids who, let's, you know, let's be honest. Well, look, on the plus side, he had a very, very strong big brother who he could get to fight on his behalf. On the, yeah. you know, minor side, he was a bit lacking in the brain department. Anyway, he dropped his magnesium in the Bunsen burner and decided to look for it vertically down at oh the my word! Directly looking into the flame of the Bunsen burner, and um, wow. I mean, luckily it torched his forehead before it could get to his eyes. But uh, yeah, he was walking around with quite a nice sort of bandage and burny appearance um, for a few weeks. When you say a boy at your school, do you in fact mean you? No. You're quite right, Ollie, in a thing you said about half an hour ago, which was that we should have been spending our time huddled in a conference centre in Glasgow all of last November, uh, which was a thing, what was going to happen, called COP26. Oh, now, COP, what is a COP? It's a um, conference of parties. Yes, that sounds great, doesn't it? Um, it is, would you say conference of the parties, which isn't, mm. unfortunately, uh, Earl's Court filled up with loads of different people having it large. What it actually is, is a very large, mahusive climate shindig. Now, we have been doing this for so long, so very long, Earl, that when we started Sustainable, we were looking forward to the end of 2015, which was when previous massive climate shindig was going to happen in Paris. Do you remember? Of course you do. Why do you remember? Because I was there, mate. Yes. Yes, you were. I mean, Um, just before we go any further, and for anyone who's listened to this podcast will not be suffering under the delusion that I had an important role to play, or indeed any role to play. So, But I just want to make sure that people don't think I was doing something useful there. I was just sort of there, which I suppose is like, it's kind of what climate activism is, isn't it? You're just sort of there... As long as, you, as long as you're there, yeah. that's the important thing. I was thing. talking to people about this. Like, There's an awful lot of going to... People say, oh, are you going to go to... I remember at, at Paris, everyone was going, are you going to go? Gonna go? And I remember going, what am I going to do when I get there then? What's going to happen? And no, people you, you were just go, well, you're just going to be there to witness. I'd be like, can I witness it on the telly? <laughs> and no one could really come up with a good reason why I couldn't do that. And isn't most of what happens, you stand... Well, you tell me, but... What do you do mostly? Um, I can't really remember because it was before I had children, and the and the before time before children is a very very distant memory. Have a listen to this. <laughs> oh, you look tired. Now you were just back from. Paris, you were there, weren't you? You were there oh, for the historic moment of the conclusion of the Mahusive Climate Shindig. Why do you look so bloody awful? <laughs> Firstly, thank you. That's nice of you to say. Uh, yes, well, it was it was um, an intense 48 hours or so, uh, I have to say. Uh, and that's not me just sort of being laddie and euphemistic for actually I got drunk. That was the tiredest I'd ever known a human. You'd just come back from the Paris talks and you were so tired that, like, I just had to finish the babble for you, basically. I was just like, I've got it, love. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I was this. listening to it earlier. <laughs> and it was like, golly, 
Golly, <laughs> that is not a human being with, you know, all systems firing, put it that way. So, But would you say you are, on a daily basis now, A, that tired, B, more tired than that, or C, really rather more tired than that? Or can you just not remember? I can't really remember what it felt like before kids. Um, so, yeah. So, that their Paris Agreement, what we reported at the time, episode 35, by the way, what we reported at the time was a sense of two competing narratives had come out of it. So, this was the big mahusif climate shindig concluded, the world is going to try and keep global temperature rises to no more than 1.5 degrees, uh, failing that two degrees by the end of the century and some other shit as well, right? And um, <laughs> that was seen as, I remember you lost you lost a prediction, if you remember, Ol, because you predicted there would not be a deal. I thought there would, and there was yeah yes that was back when you allowed me to have prediction time as a regular yeah. feature of the babble didn't I, you yes well i think we stopped that after i won and that'll that'll be the end <laughs> of that um but yes my my unbridled pessimism was um shown to be silly really because there yeah. was a deal there was a deal. Um, but people, there were two camps. There was a bunch of people who might be more likely to wear a nice shirt and suits to work. Those people were saying, this is brilliant. This is fantastic. We've done a deal. It's amazing. Um, and then there were people on the other extreme who were more likely to be cross about things who said, this is awful. It's a sellout. It's condemned half of the world's population to certain death. Right. And we were basically saying, I don't know where I sit on that. Can we wait and see? And I'm not sure we actually ever quite nailed the question of whether we thought it was a good deal or not. Um, no, I don't think we did. We seem to sort of move on to something else. <laughs> I was yes. listening back to the episode, waiting for that conclusion. I was like, I wonder what we concluded. We didn't. Um, so there we go. I do what I'm told. But you're not as confused as him, are you? I mean, it's not your job to be as confused as Nigel is. It's my job to do what I'm asking. Yeah, so we didn't know. But it has, you know, it has unleashed some stuff. For example, aforementioned commitments have been going in. So, like... The five years have set the parameters for the world. That's what we're aiming at. And although we were a long way off it, and it's taken an awful lot of kicking and screaming to drag countries to be proposing what they are proposing, like, it has changed stuff. The Paris Agreement has, I think, changed some things. It undeniably. Undeniably. Yeah. Good. I mean, I think the most important of which is the total acceptance that 1.5 degrees as a goal now has. Like... In a way that just no one talked about it. It was like, oh, two degrees, two degrees, two degrees. And I know this oh, this podcast is banged on at length about how talking about degrees is potentially not the best way to galvanise mass climate action. Stop burning yourself. Stop Put the candle up. Burning yourself. Oh, sorry. Okay, carry on. Um, oh, but notwithstanding, notwithstanding that. Uh, the fact that now everyone seems to have just adjusted to, oh right, yeah, one point five degrees. That's what we need to be aiming for. That's a massive deal. That is a massive deal. And yeah, we shouldn't lose sight of that. It's very cool. It is going to happen now. It got delayed because of the Lurgy. COP26, which is the next big, big one, the next big meeting supposed to be five years later is now going to be six years later next november in glasgow right and i just wanted to have a little bit of a talkie if that's all right all about what the hell is going to happen at it how do you think about please that? do yes please do um so here's a, the main thing about this all is i reckon it's going to be a bit um it's not going to be like last time for all sorts of reasons right it's going to be cold actually it was cold in paris i do remember that it was cold in paris was it proper cold yeah. or just french cold? no not glasgow cold 
Not Glasgow um, cold. And I it. think there was less danger of being given a Glasgow kiss. So, you know. Um, so last time we didn't have the kind of architecture that we have now got. Sorry, do you mean architecture as a metaphor? Oh, God. Jesus Christ, man. I was, there, well, I was thinking, think, sitting there thinking, oh, he's going to talk about, is it Houseman or <laughs> who is it that designed all of Paris? Right, I think yes, on the grid, yes. I think it was Houseman. So he's going to talk about architecture. He's going to talk about that big conference centre and like the West End of Glasgow. That's quite interesting. You're not. You're using it as a metaphor. Yes. Oh, you are unforgivable. Uh, this is such a minefield of klaxoning. Um, <laughs> we didn't have, do I get klaxoned of a certain, again, we didn't yeah. have things like a commitment to keep the world to 1.5 degrees didn't have that last time so last time there was a load and load and load of people going to paris and saying bloody well commit to 1.5 degrees or two degrees or just bloody well commit to something will you just commit to something <laughs> please right just say yes to something yeah anything and and like make sure you've got the rules can i say rules i'm saying rules in place yeah. so that that Could actually you. means something Right. And and all and it was genuinely, I mean, I don't like this whole thing about this conference saves the world or it doesn't, but it was genuinely a sense of like, yeah, we've got to get it right this time. And they got it right this time, last time. And we've got we've got that now. We've got the um the rules in place. And this <laughs> time good. is not is not about this conference has to result in a thing that set of that significance. There are things there, I mean, but not remotely to kind of downplay it. One of the things is about DOSH. There's always DOSH. Mm. The, the thorny issue of DOSH, climate justice in particular, saying, look, poor countries going, look, fine, you want us to do all this stuff to our economy, but you owe us sunshine. You owe us for uh, all the fact that you've got rich off fossil fuels and we haven't, and you owe us off the fact that your climate change is knackering our country, like loss and damage, that is called. Oh. Mm. Um, and yeah. there will be there's, which, there's supposed which to be I think we should probably put on record as saying is a fair point. It's a really um, fair point. <laughs> yeah. It's a very very fair point. Yeah. Um, well done for industrializing your entire economy um, off of you know stuff that was either under your ground or quite often under our ground, uh, right. burning it up to all high heaven and um, and boiling the planet, uh, a planet which incidentally is quite a lot more perilous for us anyway. Can yes. we have some money so that we can maybe put our country a bit higher up or, you know, build some good walls or maybe like, you know, build some of our own bloody green infrastructure that you've now decided you're all keen on. Uh, and the rich world's response to that so far has been, <sighs> sorry, what? No, no. Thank you, young crown. Here is a purse of monies, which I'm not going to give to you. <laughs> well, that's even worse than that. The rich world so far has gone, yeah, sure, and then not bloody done it. I mean, that's the main point. They were supposed to be making 100 billion quid a year. We're supposed to go from rich countries to poor countries, and they haven't been doing it. They've been doing like 70 at a push, I think, in the last time anyone counted. So that issue, there's loads in that issue. As we get closer to the COP, we can, we'll get on someone like that. Uh, uh, Rachel Kennelly, who we talked to in episode 94, can come talk to some more about this stuff, right? But that is a big thing. I'm not saying that's not important, but I suppose the point I'm making is that happens every time. Like, it happens every time they get together, that yeah. argument, basically. Obviously, it is right that people who have got rich off of fossil fuels, which are now killing the planet and killing people in the global south, need to wang a load of money to the global south. Obviously, don't that's right. Don't cancel all he knows, all right? He knows. Okay, that is my position. Don't cancel me. However... Oh, God. I just can't ever see, like, what country, what government, more to the point, is ever going to go, 
Hmm. So you want me to just give loads of money to that government over there for a thing that happened in the past that wasn't like me doing it? Like it wasn't my decision to like burn all the fossil fuels 50, 100, 150 years ago. And they'll never say that because that's not okay to say, although some might say it. But I just think it's not, I don't know. I really, really hope it happens because it's the right thing to do. I just can't see how they're ever going to sell it. But what about, isn't that exactly what the 0.7% aid, the rationale for giving a chunk of your country's GDP over is that argument? It's like, we have got rich in the past and now we want to help other countries be rich. No, your your, your point is not that. Your point is explicitly as reparations for being a bastard. Exactly, yeah. And the aid money, like, I don't think anyone should be under misapprehension about what the aid money is for. It's like, that's to bolster markets that the rich countries will benefit from that's what they that, they see it as an investment uh, right uh, and there may well be people who argue that it is an investment it's a good investment but it's not all like goodness of their heart type stuff people what a bunch of bastards the other thing that is on the tape that will be talked about is get ready all nationally determined contributions Get the ratchet mechanism ready. Oh, I love a good ratchet, particularly <laughs> on a cold December evening. I'm going to de- I'm going to determine your contributions. Don't turn off the podcast. It's more interesting than that. Well, it's not actually. It's quite boring. It's no, it's interesting really. but boring. The the thing is interesting, which is like you you decide as a country how much you want to stop killing the planet by. You bring it back, and then everyone adds it up and says, "Is that the right amount?" And as discussed, that's kind of beginning to now look like it's what countries are saying they will do is edging us towards two degrees, something like that. Oh, oh! by the time you listen to this, probably, but not by the time we record this, but we've had a little bit of insider snifty on this, um, the Boris is going to commit the UK to something like a 68% cut by 2030. So that is what a, that's an example of what a nationally determined contribution is, which is generally seen as being like, yeah, sure, should be higher, should be like minus 200 by yesterday or something, um, but is pretty, pretty good in the scheme of things, I think. Um, yeah, it's a, long, it. it's a long way uh, improved from where it was. And I apologies if you've already said this, as you know, my memory is bad. But even though the your memory is, is fi- your memory is fine, your listening needs work. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter is not going to read itself, Dave. <laughs> um, what was I saying? See, my memory is bad. Your memory uh, is bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, even though the conference has been cancelled, well, has been postponed by a year. All of those pledges, the nationally determined contributions, which were due this year, uh, are still due. So the fact that the, the conference has been moved has not changed that. So we are about to see what everyone has come up with. And that's kind of what the Climate Tracker Action Group, whatever they're called, has been looking at. And this is what Bojo is doing. This is one of his nationally determined contributions. So it's good. And I mean, when me and you started out as young whippersnappers believing that we could change things in the climate movement. Remember that? A long time ago, isn't it? A long time ago. There was that before you had kids. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There was a a thing called the Climate Change Act, um, which committed the UK to cutting carbon by 80% by 2050. And now Bojo is saying 68% by 2030. So it's not good enough. Obviously, it's not good enough, but it is a hell of a lot better than it was and we're moving in the right direction. And as per previous episodes, where I've banged on about this at length, 
I still think it's good that Boris has, for whatever reason, decided that this is the thing that's going to define him. This is his way to be talking about something other than the chronic mishandling of a global pandemic, which has resulted in 60,000 Britons dying who probably didn't need to. It was a sign, I think, of the extraordinary um, uh, ineptitude and amateurishness of those who should be doing a better job for the should have been doing a better job for the prime minister. And it did not help our international reputation um, at all. Did you hear on that front, did you hear former climate change secretary minister, um, Claire O'Neill, nay Perry, properly giving it to Boris? Uh, I read about it. I didn't, yeah, I haven't heard any audio of it, but I read about it. I basically just say like, the man's the man's a buffoon who bid for this thing thinking all you had to do was like a couple of weeks beforehand, you know, book book some catering, uh, call a press conference, get some stationery made and iron your best shirt, turn up, make a speech, whiff waff, go home, everyone's happy. Didn't genuinely didn't appear to realise um that you had to actually plan it and like lead and give a shit. Um and she said something like oh, this is a wonderful example of Dominic Cummins calling up Claire O'Neill, um, saying, yeah, it's all right. Uh, you know how you're president of these talks? Yeah, we don't need a president, actually. And she goes, no, no, you literally legally have to have a president for these talks. You know that thing called the UN? It yeah. says there has to be a president. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. But a, a couple of before we wrap this up, because we will we all talk about this, I guess, over the course of next year. There are some really interesting things that are reasons to be optimistic about all this. You know, I'm in a very optimistic. I end 2020 in a very optimistic frame of mind. I don't mind telling you, right? Do you know, like, yeah, I've noticed that, and I, and to yeah. be honest, I think I share it. Why do you think that is? Um, I think because, well, frankly, we've just had some good news, like that is not in charge in America anymore. And that is a reason, frankly, why these talks are going to be better. I mean, can you imagine, in a parallel universe, right, A, Donald Trump was president, and B, we'd had these talks already, and he turned up at a thing that he'd pulled America out of and shat all over it. Probably literally, literally shat all over it. But So I'm cheerful about it because Donald Trump won't be there. I'm cheerful about it because, for whatever reason, Boris Johnson, go back and listen to episode 193, appears to be taking this stuff seriously. And yes, I know there are a million reasons why he's doing that that are probably cynical. I know it's not good enough. Don't at me. Don't cancel me. Leave me alone, right? But it is good. And I think that we're going to hopefully touch wood. 2021 is going to be a year when we move on from COVID at least a bit and we start to go, right, hang on a minute, what else is important? And we start to look at politicians and we go, yeah, we've decided actually that the experience of a global pandemic means we might want to work together on some shit. You asked me to define the word I put in the prep doc. The word is multilateralism, which means working together on some shit as opposed to just countries going off and doing it on their own. So I think there'll be an attitude for that. And more than anything than that, right, the previous Paris Agreement is demonstrably, I know not enough, working and making people think, yes, we need to do something about climate change. And I reckon this year coming up is going to be an amazing, yes, we can do stuff about climate change kind of year. That's what I think. Whether or not we do something about climate change is another matter. But I think we shall, at least for a while believe that we can hmm. yeah i don't I, obviously all of my instincts are to piss all over that but <laughs> because a i said it yeah well that there isn't a b oh, it's fine. just because it's, it's you Fair but i think you're probably right i do i do want to acknowledge that we know 
that the UK government is not currently on track to meet its existing targets. So yep. just by going and announcing more stretching ones doesn't mean suddenly everything's fine. Like, yeah, it's like having, for example, Al, having promised your boss that you might start work at nine in the morning, for example, and, you know, gradually kind of edging towards it, getting at 9.45, and then and then your boss goes, yeah, what are you going to do about turning up for work at nine in the morning? And you go, I'll turn up at eight. That's what I'll do. <laughs> and your boss says, that wasn't my question. No. Really? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I didn't realise that you had access to my, uh, <laughs> my laptop's microphone. And indeed, all of my emails. There we go. Yes, it's like that. So anyway, um, we just want to acknowledge that. Obviously, not on track for things at the moment. Must do better. Has to do better. I think they probably will. And I'm not sure it's because they've decided they're going to crack the whip. I think it's because lots of things bigger, frankly, trends that are bigger than what governments control are moving in the right direction very quickly. Like, for instance, Exxon this week just like wrote off gazillions gazillions of dollars worth of assets which i mean i'm already using words i don't fully understand so i'm not going to go further than that go on bloomberg read about exxon but like this is previously the biggest kind of untouchable emblem of capitalism in the states based on oil based on fossil fuels and it's it's very very rapidly shrinking and i think stuff like that is what's going to kind of lead the charge and an acceleratingly whizzy speedy charge towards climate action next year so yeah screw you i'm going to agree with you and there's nothing you can do about it and it's all fine anyway because we're all going to be either a injected with bill gates's microchips or b <laughs> uh brainwaved by 5g and both of which will have the and both of which will have the controlling effect of making us completely subservient and do whatever boris says so it doesn't really matter what you think because you're going to think he's great by the end of the year anyway what a good place to be Hi, I'm Arabella, and you're listening to Sustainababble. Think Dave can't decide if it is good or not. Now, this section, now. fairly self-explanatory. Self-explanatory. Explanatory, my self-explanatory. Have you noticed I've started coughing as if I smoked 20 Benson Hedges a day? I have noticed that. A sort of wheeze, yeah. A little Uh, bit worried about it. Yeah, it's not good, is it, really? I would suggest you've got the virus, but I know for a fact you haven't left the house for nine months. It's not going to be that, is it? Apart from when you moved from one to Four years, mate. I haven't left the house for four years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, hopefully it's nothing. But, you know, my doctor could look back on this and... um, chronicle my slow descent into some horrible disease you know sometimes um when people are unfortunately you know getting old and not well comedians and stuff like that and and people in the audience will drop them a note and say couldn't help but notice you might want to get that cough checked out or something like that do you think maybe mm. a babble listener will be able to discern from your husk that you are in fact shuffling off this mortal coil if so Depend- if so let me know but i don't think i'll need to know it I just if i could plan accordingly that'd be great yeah, no, I mean, I think your priority should be continuity of service and, um, yeah. you know, your ability to navigate some complex Excel spreadsheets. Well, I reckon Arabella's probably about ready to take your place by now anyway. More than ready. <laughs> More than ready. <laughs> Baby Ol's just about ready to take my place, I reckon. Right. Um, so moving on from my own impending death, 
Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. The lack of death of animals. That's right. Meat, except not meat as you know it. Look, this is things that we can't decide if they're good or not. And we've been doing this a lot recently. We, this seems to be a kind of ever more prominent feature, which I suppose is reflecting the fact that this is what this podcast is about. We can't decide if things are good. But we really can't decide if this is good. Genuinely and can't decide. Sometimes, we, sometimes we're like, huh, can't decide. Like, no, really can't decide if this is good or not. It's a tough one. So we're talking about lab-grown meat, which is a thing that Friend of the Babble, uh, George Monbiot, has banged on about. He's got very uh, supportive of it in the past, which is quite surprising. Poor little, poor little Labradors. Hey? Oh, lab-grown. Yeah, that's right. Labradors, just <laughs> appreciate them while they look like they do, because soon they're going to be walking around with chickens kind of grafted onto their sphincters because um, that is actually the, the best place to do it because there's a huge amount of blood, blood vessels there and... Um, it's just easier. So, you know, we'll have a, give them a good wash when they're ready, but don't worry about it. Chlorine wash. We, chlorine wash, exactly. Um, God almighty. Well, I've been on about 17 tangents. I'm just going to have to tell you what the story is. Please do. In Singapore, quite soon, you're going to be able to buy chicken nuggets, which are chicken but not chicken. They're, it's, it's meat which is grown from cells in a lab so, like, no chickens existed and were killed. It's just chicken that's been grown. Um, and that's weird. Compared to our conventional methods of getting meat on the table, lab-grown meat, which debuted in 2013, doesn't involve slaughtering of animals, nor does it require as many environmental resources. Compared to other livestock, raising cows requires... This has been a thing that's been chicken on for ages, right? Tiki, 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 this is coming. But they've now, they reckon this company in Singapore has got it to the point where they can actually sell you this shit. Like, before it was just tiny little slivers of it you could get in a lab. But they basically, they're, they reckon they're on the verge of like, this is it, buy it now, right? Um, so there's, it is entirely possible. In fact, there are quite a few people I was reading, I didn't put it in here, but quite a few people are saying some industry people think by 2040, some of the more hawkish types are saying the majority of meat you will buy may not actually have ever come from an animal, may not actually be animal. They may be entirely lab grown. It's worth noting that at the moment, that is not actually true. At the moment, like the there is stuff has to come from an animal in the very first place. They took cells from live animals to make the cell culture work. And they've had they've used bovi, uh, bull's blood, I think, to uh, for the growth medium. But they reckon both those things are just like, they won't have to do that forever. They reckon that's just for now. Mm. So mm. that's the thing to know, which affects whether I would eat it right now. I mean, we can deal with that. No, I wouldn't for that reason. But, yeah. you know, it uh, doesn't apply forever. Um, so what do you reckon? Well, this is the thing. I don't know what I reckon. Here are some things which I've considered and I've chatted to Mrs. Ol about it because she's clever about these things. And Do you mean here are some opinions Mrs. Ol has? Well, the good ones are hers and then the, the kind of random ones that don't conclude, they're mine. Um, <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> Here's my view, right? On the one hand... So, as you can tell, I don't have a view. I'm just expressing some things. On the one hand, there are billions of people at the moment who eat meat and like eating meat. And so that we're so as we're told, the more that people have money, the more they tend to eat meat and more people are getting money. So we're going to have meat eating going on for a while. And isn't it therefore a good thing 
to be able to make that meat without killing loads of animals and also without growing and feeding all of those animals, which, as we've talked about at length, is bad for planet. Yeah, go back and listen to our chat with Juliet Galatly, 190, um, for more on that. Yeah, so I think good thing. That goes in the good thing camp. On the bad thing ledger, just mixing some metaphors for you there because, you know, that's how I roll. Uh, and this is, I think, the default position of most kind of green groups. So they, I think this would be in the category of techno fix, right? By which they mean it's a distraction, like it's a whizzy, shiny thing and we don't actually need it because we've got solutions to these problems already. The problem is the solutions are not being supported. So the solution being just eat loads of plants, stop eating loads of meat, don't have industrial meat production, have more kind of, what do they call it, agroecology, all of that sort of thing. Like we have the solutions, we just aren't implementing them. Um, There's also a question about power. Like you're just going to further concentrate power and money and resources in the hands of a very small number of huge businesses that are going to own and roll out this stuff. Um, I suppose a bit more interestingly, it kind of buys into the idea that we can just carry on doing everything that we currently do and just sort of tweak it a bit and everything will be fine. And I think that's a dangerous place to be in. I think we do need to grapple with the idea that like, why is it that we've just become okay with industrial meat production and all the absolutely horrific uh, consequences of that? There's another thing, right? I've got two more things. No, three more things. Uh, One there is absolutely no analysis of like actually how green this is because heavily processed stuff requires loads of energy, loads of other inputs. Like, is it actually that green? We don't know. I mean, there hasn't been much of it around, so it's hard to do life cycle analysis, but we don't know. It might not be that green. And thing two, Jevons paradox. I hope you klaxoned me. You did klaxon me. Devon's paradox is when you 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 would do a thing in the name of efficiency. So you'd say, oh, look at these congested roads. If we build another road, all the traffic can be spread out and everything will be fine. What actually happens is that people go, oh, look at that nice road. I'll get a car, more traffic. The same thing could be happening here. If you make meat in inverted commas, more efficiently and make it more available. People will just eat more of it. You're not going to have a reduction in the overall consumption of meat. Doesn't solve your problem. And final thing, right? I'm not convinced that the people making this meat have at their very heart and their soul the idea that what they want to do is save the planet. I think they're just thinking, can we make loads of money by selling this new thing? And I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. Of all of it, that seems an unfair charge to level, given our conversation last week about innovation and about uh, that sometimes it is perfectly conceivable to have both. Like Yes, well, exactly. Uh, and as I, I say, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what I, I, I think. Francis, I don't know what I think. Aitra and Francis last week aren't making soluble because they, you know, because they're a charity. They want to make a shitload of cash out of it, but it will also stop students starving. So that's good as well. Um depending on your point of view um so (laughs) unless you're on twitter gary this is adam we're studying together all right student hi (laughs) every now and then because i'm militant vegan every now and then i get asked a question by someone which is some variation on uh what about you know this this usage of meat over here that looks like quite a nice usage of meat can't we just do that Right. And we've had this crop up when we talked in episode uh, 114 to Helen Browning about organic farming. There's better and worse ways to make meat. Right. And people then basically because I'm a vegan, people go there. What you got to say about that? Right. And to which my position is generally do what you like. Like if, if you want to eat it, eat it. 
like uh, basically that's it my main reason for not eating meat is animal rightsy welfare reasons closely followed by environment reasons and i've got so used to, and also knowing what i'm like which is that i'm a right old devil when it comes to gray areas anyway that like if i if something is basically kind of sort of all right i probably should leave it alone because before you know where you are i'll be picking red leicester out of the bin and eating that so uh <laughs> so my own personal thing is i probably won't eat it but that's only because i know what i'm like you give me an inch and i'll take a mile right but if you want to eat it you eat it and like i don't know why it matters what i think about it really it's gonna happen like it is going to be a thing people are going to make this vastly at scale so what i mean like what do you want what do you want me to do about it? Well, I want you to have an opinion. I'm not, well, I've got I'm, an opinion, which is like, I don't know. Do you like? <laughs> that sounds like the same of mine then. So we, <laughs> we are of one mind. We are in complete agreement. If you gain weight from too much chow, I will never call you a cow. I respect you and cows. Don't use cow as an insult. If you eat every single thing... Look, more seriously, right? More seriously. I would probably... Oh, God, here we go. I would probably, if I could be satisfied that no animals were harmed, if it was greener, I would probably eat it, yes. And the majority of Babel listeners on Twitter would eat it. I did a poll, 45% of them would eat it, only 13% wouldn't, and the rest of people were like, I don't know, don't have an opinion. Um, but some, and some people on Facebook, uh, we asked it on Facebook as well, so someone like uh, uh, Babel listener Adam Higgin says, any environmentally conscious, carbon-reducing, biodiversity and rainforest-loving occasional meat-eater should be endorsing this wholeheartedly. Um, other people, like Babel listener Heather Walker, says, short answer, no. That is a <laughs> no, short I answer. No, no, I won't eat it. Um, <laughs> so some people, I think, you know, there's, there's that. Uh, basically, it, it largely depends, doesn't it, on the reasons you don't eat meat in the first place. And, yes, of course. Yeah. And, and how passionately held they are and how important they are to you. That's yes. it, really. Do what you want. Absolutely, absolutely. And, but I, I'm taking, and this is a bit of a punt, but I'm taking as a starting point the assumption that most people listening to the babble, if they don't eat meat, don't eat meat primarily because of the environmental impacts. That could be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's right. That's and therefore, right. I think it's worth sort of thinking about it in terms of the environmental impacts. But one of our listeners, Adam Saunders, um, replied on Facebook saying, basically, delicious lab-grown cheese would be more interesting than delicious lab-grown meat, which I think is important because deliciousness is a factor here. Like, I really miss delicious meat. And when I'm drunk, I eat it by accident. But, like, I would love to not have to use my willpower to refuse delicious things anymore and if nuggets for instance like i i absolutely deny i I refuse to accept anybody when they say truthfully they think chicken nuggets aren't nice of course they're nice they're filthy filthy deliciousness i don't eat them because they're chicken i absolutely just devour those corn nugget things which they're wonderful. They're, they're junk. They're absolute filth. They're junk. They're wonderful. But I would prefer a chicken nugget because they're more delicious. If someone can grow me a lab-grown chicken nugget and it is not the result of a dead animal or like a knackered rainforest, I will wolf that down. And I think that's important. Like, come on, let's have some nice, delicious things that we don't have to feel bad about. Because going back to the beginning of this episode, everything good is shit. And I'd just love it if sometimes some of the good things weren't shit. Everything good is bad And everything bad is good See, 
Right, that is just about it for another episode of Babel. Do you remember how excited we got when we were approaching 100? Well, that was 100 episodes ago. We're nearly, at, we're nearly at 200 and it's staggering. Um, and we are staggering, frankly. Uh, right, what was I going to say? Thank you, as ever, today for babbling. Thank you for holding out from going for a pint. I'm just going to talk as long and slowly as I possibly can to draw this out even more. Thank you to Dickie Moore for the wonderful music that begins, ends and intertwinkles this podcast. Thank you to the wonderful artist Oval for drawing stuff which looks nice and is on our website and is on our t-shirts that you can buy on our website. Happy Christmas, everybody. www.sustainababble.fish Find the t-shirty bit. Buy them. Thank you to Dickie Moore for the music that starts. I've said that. You've done that. You've done that. You've done that. You've done that. You did that bit. Uh, You can get in touch with us. That bit. Yeah, I haven't done that bit. No, haven't done that bit. You can get in touch with us and you can tell us what you thought of the show. We are on the Facebook at Sustainababble. We're on Twitter at The Babble Wagon. Or you can drop us an email to hello at sustainababble.fish. And I just wanted to give a shout out to two people who are completely bonkers, Ol. And these are people who Spotify's algorithms have exposed the true terribleness of their ways, right? Spotify's been doing a thing, if you log into it. Uh, I'm a right sucker for this kind of thing. When it tells you things like, you have spent this much time listening to David Bowie this year, for example, right? And it tells Hang you on, about I'm going to do podcast. this live on because I haven't opened up my Spotify yet. Okay, you do that while I, while I talk. One of the things we found out was that Sustainababble is the ninth most popular science podcast on Spotify, which is some definition of science I've never come across before. And I suspect, <laughs> having looked at some of the other science podcasts, that's a bit of a who's the second toughest in the infants type thing. But thank you I to think, Big I Dave big, anyway. Big Dave might have a word <laughs> yeah. or two to say. Oh, hang on. What's this doing? Oh, good Lord. Anyway, uh, yeah, thank you Big that's, Dave for uh, that. That's the Ben Ecky ladies that's playing... <laughs> Oh, good lord. Um, so, is that. Um, good lord. So, uh, Jenny Pearson uh, manages to get special Babble Prize for having listened to, according to her Spotify algorithm, 28 episodes uh, over the course of. 2020, which is basically all of the episodes. So well done, Jenny, pretty much for completing Sustainable. I can guarantee you, Jenny, that is more episodes than all has listened to over the course of 2020. Uh, but particular shout out to Louise, who sent us a message saying that her Spotify algorithm had reported her for listening to eight Sustainable episodes in one day. Which oh, is... I'm, I'm quite worried about Louise. That is... I, I genuinely think that's not healthy. That is not good. Nothing about that is good at all. Pearl Jam was my best, uh, Better Man by Pearl Jam was the song I listened to more than any other this year. I had no idea that was your jam. I love the Pearly Jam. Oh, yeah. Pearl, Better Man is go. an incredible song. Oh, should we put a bit of that on to play out? Yeah. Yeah, very good. Right, we will be back next week, Ol. Until then, look after yourself, old Bean. No, I haven't finished yet. I haven't said thank you to the people who give us money oh, via Lord, Patreon. Get on with it. And look, manners yes, cost you nothing. You. Manners cost you nothing, Dave. Okay? Thank you to the people thank who you. give us money on Patreon. We love you. It is hugely appreciated. I am speaking to you on a bit of kit, via a bit of kit that I bought off of Patreon money that has transformed my recording experience. I no longer have a vinegar bottle and a Tupperware box as an integral bit of my audio setup. So thank you very much, Patreon. You've made that possible. Uh, if you'd like to give us more money or some money, if you're not giving it to us already, go to www.patreon.com forward slash sustainable and you can bung us the price of a pint or a coffee or loads more. 
Yeah, there is exclusive stuff on there, like our recent appearance at uh, Future Fest live episode that only our Patreon subscribers will get to not just listen to, but watch, complete with Dave's slideshow. And if that is not a reason to tune in mm. and cough up some more dosh, I do not know what is. And there shall be more exclusive content once we work out what that should be. Let us know if you're a Patreon <laughs> subscriber. Let us know what exclusive content you would like. Right, I'm going to the I'd, pub now. I'd you genuinely can't be fascinated. Stop me. What, what do you can't stop listeners? me? What do they I'm want going to, to see? Bye. Dave? I hadn't finished. Mine's a... Um, yeah, mine's an IPA, please. Thanks, mate. He's gone.